This is Slashers, your favorite horror podcast about your favorite horror media. It is me, Mikey, with always, and no, oh my god, excuse me, let me start over. <clears throat> Did you just lift your boobs a little bit so that the world could see them? <laughs> oh, it's, it's boosting my confidence. I know, I I'm have to do I'm wearing a it. cute tank top, you're wearing a cute tank top, it's summertime, we're hot babes, just go with it. Okay. Okay. This is Slashers, your favorite horror podcast about your favorite horror media. I'm Mikey, and with me as always on Ladies Night is my lovely colleague, co-host, and cohort, Aid. Say hi to the mutant goons from beyond, Aid. Hi, mutant goons from beyond. I'm so excited to be recording today with my ghoul friend, my favorite boo-boo, Mikey. Yes, and this is a very special Call Your Ghoul Friends episode because throughout the whole month of Shark Week, which is funny because that applies something different when it comes to my sisters and female cousins, but, um, <laughs> oh, excuse me, Shark Month. <laughs> well, all through Shark Month, Aid has really wanted to dig into deep blue sea, deeper, bluer seer, the deepest, bluest sea. That's one, two, and three. They didn't name those, but, you know, missed opportunities. They should probably have done that. However, today we'll be diving into The Deep End, into 1999's Deep Blue Sea, directed by whom, Aid? Rennie Harlan? Carlin? Something like that. It is, that. that's how you fanatically pronounce it, but I didn't want to try. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask, Aid, what have you been sinking your teeth into uh, <laughs> in your horror media? My horror media. Oh my goodness. I, you know what? I probably, I wanted to watch several things this weekend and I just didn't get a chance to do them. One thing I really want to see, everyone keeps talking about is Nighthouse. Haven't watched it yet. I really wanted to see Men, but Mikey poo-pooed on it, so haven't watched it yet. (laughs) (laughs) But I did get to finally see The Batman yesterday, and I'm sure you recall me professing my love about Robert Pattinson and his little emo haircut and his cute eyeliner. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Dan hated it. Surprise, surprise. Uh, But, you know, I I do like a grittier Batman, and I do like the fact, I will say, one of the main things I did like was that he was not the suave lady killer Batman, right? That's like a playboy type guy. He's just kind of has a, you know, should probably be in therapy. And (laughs) he's a little toxic. And so I just kind of like that side because, you know, I feel like there's so many Batman movies now at this point that like if we keep continuing on with them, it's just going to constantly be the same story. Like, Batman's a playboy. Then we have a flashback about his parents getting knocked off. And then we got to figure out who killed his parents. And then blah, blah. He's got to meet a girl. And this, that, and the third. And honestly, my favorite Batman is obviously Batman Returns. And I don't know why I'm going on a tangent about Batman when this month's about sharks and not bats. But I do love bats. I have one tattooed on me. And scene. So what have you been watching, Mikey? (laughs) Well, I do want to say, I do want to watch the Batman, but my only struggle is it's, what, like three hours long? Yeah, I w- yeah. you will need an intermission. Yeah, so I think it does look interesting. I always like when superheroes claim to take a dark approach, because sometimes you watch it and you're like, that wasn't really that dark. But I do understand that this is more grittier and darker. 
And one thing my friend said that I thought was really interesting is that this Batman is like probably the only Batman that he can see bad guys being afraid of. Like a very menacing, like sinister type Batman for bad guys, not like citizens. Yeah, it's very interesting that I actually, I would hundred percent agree because Batman's in the past have been very hokey, not hokey, but I feel like you know Tim Burton's Batman, Michael Keaton, love him, I love his Batman, but he's, you know, he's cartoony just like the other ones. They take the very novel approach of you know this is the comic book, let's make it like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Christian Bale, who I hate his voice. <laughs> We're just going to leave it at that. And then we have Ben Affleck, which, you know, to be fair, when you're sharing the screen with Jason Momoa as fucking Aquaman, I'm not giving a fuck who Batman is. And so, honestly, I did enjoy this one. So if you guys haven't watched it yet, it's on HBO Max right now. You can stream it. You don't have to go anywhere to see it. Zoe Kravitz, she did a great job in it, too. I love her. Love her. Oh, I love her. Yeah. So I'm happy that she was in it. And she looks so different compared to what I've seen her in. Like, what was the one with all the women hiding a secret? Big Little Lies. Oh, Big Little Lies. Yeah. Yeah. And there was something else I saw her in. And like, she looks completely different than the way she does as Catwoman. So I love that. Love a glow up. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah. And then the villains are like super scary. Like the villains in this film, like. I mean, when you think of the Riddler, you think of Jim Carrey right away, right? Like, he's the Riddler yeah. we grew up with. Um, or you think of the one from the 60s. But, oh my god, no. This is, like, the creepiest, like, ah, I just hate him. Like, he's so, he's like the guy that doesn't stop following you around the bar. And, like, you can see from the corner of your eye. And he's always, like, giving you this look. Like, that's him. <laughs> and I'm just like, ew. So, anyway. <laughs> well, speaking of that kind of guy, I did go watch Men. Mm-hmm. And I would like to clarify because everybody is burning their bras over, well, not really, because this is more the men complaining. The men are burning their bras <laughs> saying like, oh, of course, in today's liberal media, men are bad. All men are bad. Blah, blah. And that's really not what it's about. I even knew that that's not what it was about before I went into the theater because that's such a, like, it's not a theme that would work in this day and age. But it's definitely not an all men are bad type movie. And I don't want to say anything because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. And it's a good movie. It's well made. It's well acted. I just didn't like it. It was very, it, you know, I just, I had strange feelings about it. The person, we, I went in a group of four people. They kind of agreed with me. But I've stayed quiet because I'm hearing everybody else's point of view and everybody else seems to really enjoy it. But I feel like A24 movies are just, you love them or you don't. I agree. And so... My least favorite A24 movie, y'all don't come for me. I know, I know, whatever, whatever. It was The Lighthouse, but now my least favorite A24 movie is Men, which is so disappointing because the two main actors, I don't know their names, but the main woman and the main man in the film, they were both amazing, and I wish I could have enjoyed it more just for them. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. I don't have to like every movie. I'm happy it's being successful because we need those horror films out there. But that's my little spoiler-free take on men. I did finish a book called Bathhouse, which was annoying the fuck out of me. You could have asked Adam every night for like five nights at dinner. I'd be like, let me tell you what this stupid person in this book is doing. It was like such an... And this is why it pisses me off so much because the story is engaging and what's happening is engaging but you have the most incompetent naive person as the main character that you're like stop doing that or like you want them to do this and they're doing the complete opposite so that was frustrating 
Finally finished it. Hated the ending. Three stars. <laughs> that sounds like that. <laughs> That's basically how Bella is in the Twilight series. Like, one stupid <laughs> decision after another. And you're like, well, of course she's making these dumbass decisions. She's 17 years old. I was going to say, she's a teenager. Like, why is this... 80-year-old vampire trying to fuck her. Like, come on. But anyway. Yeah, I will say a quick synopsis for anybody that wants to read Bathhouse. It's by an author named P.J. Vernon. It's written well. Kind of like men. I just didn't like it. But it's it's a cool concept. It's a gay couple and one of the husbands is kind of getting bored with their stale, picturesque, romantic lifestyle. So he decides to go out and cheat at a bathhouse. But he doesn't realize that he is, like, hooking up with this psycho killer. So now the killer's after him and he can't really tell anybody because he's afraid of his husband finding out what happened. So, short It sort of reminds me of, like, when she put the bunny in the pot. Oh, but Fatal Attraction? Fatal Attraction attraction. meets the Al Pacino. Cruising. Yeah. Fatal Attraction meets Cruising. That sort of reminds me of. So that's actually a pretty interesting concept. But, you know, I mean, at this point, like, if you're reading something like that, like, I'm glad that you, like, they have you know, novels like that and, like, approach it a little bit differently because, you know, that's always, like, the same tire tropes that you seem to be reading these days. Or not you, but people in general. Like, there's really no new ideas. And I'm not getting all up my ass with certain novels either because I just don't have the mental capacity (laughs) to care enough right now. So I'm I'm just reading about, like, women suffragists in the 1800s. Like, those are my books right now. (laughs) Oh no, I can't do I can't do that scary. I need fake scary. <laughs> That's why I don't watch that show with the red capes, but with the women and the red cape. I forgot what it's called. Handmaid's Tale. Oh yeah, I know. Oh my gosh, I was just last time we did the Meg. Mike had called it the Crucible, and I'm like, oh my god, it is the Crucible, isn't it? <laughs> but oh, and then so back to men really quick, and then we can move on. I, Rory Kinnear is the actor that you're talking about. I just wanted to Google it really quick. <laughs> he is absolutely amazing and everything I see him in he was really good as Frankenstein's monster in our Josh Hartnett show that we were talking about Penny Dreadful Penny Dreadful and he was also on an episode of uh what's that crazy show on Netflix I think he was in the very first episode of that show on Netflix where it's like it's like an anthology series all these weird things happen why can't I think of the name like I'm looking him up right now and I can't I can't seem to find it, but oh, um, Black Mirror. Yeah, Black Mirror, and yeah. I think someone it, mentioned him in that. Yeah, he's like, and he's basically this politician, and they're threatening to murder mm-hmm. someone in the episode. Did you see it? Yeah, it, the pig one. Yes, and basically they tell him girl. in order to yeah, in order for him to like save this girl, he has to fuck a pig live on camera. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like he seems to pick very interesting or not even not if he's picking, but he seems to be in very interesting roles, and so I'm really excited to see him in Men. Whether or not I like it remains to be seen because like, oh, he's he, worth it. He, him, and the woman I Jesse Buckley. Je- Jesse Buckley. Yes, and it's funny. Sometimes she reminds me of Nev Campbell in some shots, but both of them, the performances alone are worth it. And it's so beautiful to look at, but you know, I'm I'm waiting for the time when most people have watched it so I can have an open discussion about it. But if you're like, oh, Mikey doesn't like it, I don't want to watch it, ignore that and just go because they make it worth it. Yeah, no, I agree. At any rate, oh, did you have any 
Anything else you wanted to go? No, okay. no, no. I'm, I'm really actually enjoying, though, I will say, this Shark Month simply because I do love summer horror, and it's over 90 degrees today here in sunny Orlando, and I'm, like, Ugh. dying. So, well, I'm not dying. I actually enjoy the heat because, you know, if I'm going to hell, I may as well get used to it. And um, <laughs> so... Oh, Adrian. I'm... Pretty people don't go to hell. <laughs> That's true. Like, what would we do down there? Just kidding. Just kidding. They do. They do. I know. It's full of beautiful people. So, you know, I really enjoy watching my horror as it relates to the season because it just makes you feel like you can still be scared because typically in these situations, especially most horror, like you consider if you think it's something scary, it's like in a dark setting, a gothic setting, there's rain, it's just spooky, there's all of these darker elements. But when you can incorporate horror into, like, a summer genre, like, you know, or to have the horror genre in the summertime and still make it scary or still make it relevant, I think it's Mm -hmm. so important because then you can continue watching horror into the summer instead of just waiting for Halloween every year like some people do. So there's my two cents. I'm 100% on board with that. I think that's why there's so many killer camp counselor movies. Not counselors, but killer sleepaway camp movies mm-hmm. not sleepaway camp but yeah, I, <laughs> I can't say anything camp <laughs> yeah so many camp movies campy camp movies <laughs> because people want those summer horrors and sharks inherently because people go swimming in summer relate to summer movies but that brings us to what we actually saw both this week so we saw deep blue sea i wanted to watch two and three uh, which is funny because i thought that i saw well i, I knew i saw all of them but I was like, well, what is the second one about? And I totally like meshed two and three together and I thought that was three, but we'll go into that in a little bit. So, Deep Blue Sea 1999 by Rennie Harlan. If you think Rennie Harlan sounds familiar, he also directed Cliffhanger. He directed The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is actually where he met Samuel L. Jackson, which is why Samuel L. Jackson was like, cool, I'll work with him again. I really enjoyed it. Die Hard 2, um, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which was pretty cool. Not like the movie's pretty cool, but like it's cool. I didn't realize he made a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. He made that super homoerotic movie, The Covenant, with the male witches. Oh, I um, love that movie. <laughs> I watch it all the time. That is like a like a guilty pleasure of mine. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I don't remember the plot, but he also made this movie. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. It's called Devil's Pass. And if it sounds familiar, the cover is like a woman like covering herself in the snow like she's almost like buried in an avalanche um if i remember correctly it was about that strange disappearance that happened i believe in russia to the the mountain hikers i don't remember the full story yeah but that kind of sticks out as an outlier because that's to me when i saw it i didn't realize it was like a big time director that made it it seemed kind of like independent film Um, It was still good, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I didn't realize he also did Devil's Pass. As far as who's in the movie, there is a very, very sexy Thomas Jane as Carter, not Carlos. I thought I wrote down Carlos. It is Carter. I was like, oh, they they bring in the spice into the mix. Thomas Jane. Who do you, where do you know him from, Aiden? Hang on. There's a fire truck outside. Oh, I can't hear it. But I think I know. he's buying time because you don't know where you know him from. No, you I do know. know. I know he's the... Shut up. He's the Punisher. I was just waiting oh, yeah. for the sound to go away so that when I answered, you couldn't hear all of these sirens in the background coming. Actually, let me close the door really quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Excuse me. Squeeze me. Well, while she's gone, let me tell you, 
She doesn't know who Thomas Jane is. She was looking up to see what movies he was in while she was BSing that story about a fire alarm. Oh, hey. Hey. Welcome back. Well, I told okay. you, both Doug and I live in the GTA universe, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've seen your high-rise apartment in downtown Orlando. It's ghetto. Just kidding. <gasps> ah. <laughs> it's not. It's like the opposite. Like, everything I said was the opposite of ghetto. Oh, but anyway. However. Back to Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane Henry. You wouldn't understand that unless you were in Texas. You know him from Punisher mm-hmm. as the Punisher. Mm-hmm. I know him as the guy from The Mist. Yes. I'm sure he's done other stuff, but that's where I recognize his, him from. Let me ask you a question. How old do you think he was in this movie? I actually looked it up, and I can't remember exactly how old he was, but I want to say he was like 34, 35. Hmm. Mm. So sometimes when I watch movies and I'm like, they're really hot and they have a really nice body. Is oh, it too late for me? Get a great butt and those those wetsuit pants, especially. When... I said body. Oh my goodness, she's oh. drinking her women Viagra over here. <laughs> Sorry. No. So he has a really good body and he's uh, really attractive. And I was like, how old is he? Because I am a young spry, thirty four. I had to remember. Um, and I was like, well, you know. Because he kind of looks like in his 30s, mid-30s, maybe even like a later 30, but looks like a younger 30. So I looked him up. And I was like, how old is he? Do I have hope to still look like that? That bitch was 29 years old in that movie. Oh, shit. He was only 29? Yeah. And he looks like Jason Statham in The Meg. Like... (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, that's exactly, oh my God, that's so funny you said that, because of course I was watching this, and Dan had come home, and he was like, who's this guy I think he is, Jason Statham? And I'm like, it's fucking Thomas Jane. How do we not know who Thomas Jane is? But he was 29. I could have swore he was at least in his 30s, because there's something, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a baby face at all, so. No, he doesn't. He's aged. Um, He's still hot. (laughs) No, I'm not going to say he's not. Hey, I'll take him if you don't. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but when I see when I see things like that, I'm like, well, I must look like a busted tire on the side of the highway if he's 29. <laughs> um, however. You do not. Neither here nor there. So, and it's funny because, you know, I we listened to the episodes that you release. Jake was men- mentioning Brian Bosworth. Is that his name? Jake From Bosworth. Stone Cold. Something Bosworth. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah. Jake was talking about, I think, Brian Bosworth. And I finally saw Stone Cold because I saw the episode on Red Letter Media. And I was like, I need to see this movie. My friend let me borrow it. And so I really liked it. But I was like, again, Brian Bosworth, or whatever his name is, is really hot. And he has a nice body. Is it too late for me to look like that? Let me see how old he is. And I'm going to show you later on a picture of him in Stone Cold. Because, again, he looks like 35-ish. He was 26. So I don't know... What's um, going on? Let me look up now. Eh, he's okay. He's I, I think it's one of those things where you have to see him in the movie. I guess so. Because he was like an NFL person and what have you. Anyways, neither here nor there. That was just an epiphany I had that everybody's old as fuck and whatever. So, <laughs> next on our roster, we have Saffron. Dope ass name, by the way, especially if you're a redhead. Saffron Burroughs, who plays Dr. Susan. Do you know where she's from? She is from Troy. She's, what's his name? Eric Bana's husband. Why can I think of him? Um, Eric Bana's husband. Eric Bana's wife. <laughs> Saffron. Saffron Burroughs plays Eric Bana's husband in I've, Troy. I've, you know what? The movie was very homoerotic. And actually, Achilles and 
they made him, you know, they made his cousin, the kid who plays his cousin, his cousin in the movie, but they're actually lovers in the true mm-hmm. story. So, you I know, mean, very well could have been. Back in the day, everybody was fucking everybody. Yeah, I know. So actually, what where I know her from is she plays the girl's mom in You. Oh, okay. Dottie. Okay. Dottie, who's the mom. So I was like, oh shit, that's where she's from. She doesn't look anything like she still does, which, you know, she's still beautiful, but whatever. She's... Anywho, we have Samuel. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, she's attractive. Like, she was. Oh, yeah. She just has a very ethereal look to her. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So next we have Samuel L. Jackson as Russell. He literally needs no introduction. We all know him from everything. Michael, I love this last name, Rappaport. Rappaport. Who plays Tom. And I know that last name. I just don't know what he's in. He's a comedian, but he's in he's in a bunch of shit. He's yeah, yeah. I've seen his name. Like it's it's a very distinct name. Um, and then we have Stellan Skarsgård, who is the father, of course, of Alexander and Bill Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. And the one that's not so cute, but he's still Skarsgård. What's the, the other older one? one? Yeah, but they have they have like the seven. Ki- one? I don't know. He's not- ugly he's not because i looked okay he's, he's not just not alexander no alexander is okay so by far alexander's the most attractive and then you have mm-hmm. bill who's kind of creepy even when he's not being pennywise he kind of stands funny <laughs> but he just changed his body for some movie and i was like okay i'm all, I'm all about this but the other brother i forget his name he's cute I forgot to, I, is it theo it's some like here let's just look it up Skarsgård brothers i think it's funny that like the ones that are like famous have like alexander bill gustav gustav yeah and then all the other brothers and sisters have like super where are they from like norway they're they're swedish swedish they have a very swedish names yes um i wonder if they changed their names actually to become actors or like when they became actors i you know i don't know i yeah i mean but he has like seven kids and they're all from the same wife too so like one of the trivia about him was that he fathered he fathered like eight kids in five decades. Yeah. Like, yeah. Super. Well, anywho, all I know is his genes are good. So keep on passing them down. Well, that's true. Because um, Bill is younger than us and Alexander is like well into his 40s now. So. Yeah, I can see that. I don't feel bad about Bill being younger than us because he does kind of have a baby face. True. And then last but not least, we have LL Cool J who plays Preacher. And if you, for some reason, have never seen this movie, a quick synopsis, if you will, (laughs) is we have two scientists. Yes, there are two, even though only one of them gets blamed for everything. The woman who GMO some Mako sharks to be smarter, which also for some reason makes them meaner and bigger. I don't know why they added those last two in. Like, just work on the brain. You don't got to make them bigger. But anyways, they're in this, like, sea lab thing in the middle of the ocean. An accident happens, which causes the sea lab to open wide up, letting the ocean in, and eventually the sharks. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, to your, to your, to sort of kind of explain why, I guess they're bigger. She explains it really quickly by saying that they needed to produce more of that uh, hormone or whatever it is that they're getting out of the, the brain. In order to do that, to get more bang for your buck, they had to make the sharks bigger. And right. so, I mean, I was kind of looking up all of, like, the science about this. And they do admit that they take lots of liberties with the science behind oh, yeah. this. So, clearly, you know, this is a, just, you know, it's not a true story, people. It's not based on a true story. 
But it does make for a pretty damn fun story. So I, that's all I have to say about that. Anyways. Oh, yeah. This is super popcorn action thriller flick, like summer blockbuster. It's, it's a good movie. Let's just start off by saying that. It's from the 90s and probably is easily one of the top, I don't know about three, maybe four shark movies out there. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I agree with you because it's, I think it's really hard to make a creature feature or like a giant, like a, like a shark movie in general. And we know this from our, our last episode, the challenge episode, we watched a lot of shitty movies, right? So <laughs> it's really hard to sort of kind of cross the line, whether we're taking this self, you know, itself seriously like Jaws and for as great as Jaws is, you know, are we going to be Jaws or are we going to be something like B-movie like Sharknado? So there's never really, I guess, anything in between. And I feel like that Deep Blue Sea sort of kind of teeters on that that line, but does so in such a great way that there's a great cast in it. It does take itself seriously, but the cast, you know, they're very funny with each other. There's a lot of, like, good humor to it that's there not to, I guess, be schlocky, but just to... You know, just to kind of show the relationships between the characters, right? This is how they interact with each other. They're stuck in this underwater laboratory with each other. You know, this, they're only with each other, right, kind of thing. And there's a lot of, like, character development for so short of a film. They do end up getting a lot of things. Like, we learn a lot about Thomas Jane's character in the movie. We learn about, you know, Stellan Skarsgård, the other doctor, who, which I'm glad you mentioned that because, yes, the woman does get blamed for everything. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, she clearly she clearly pays for it, right? But at this, yeah. at this point, like, it's just, it's amazing to me that you kind of fall in love with each of these characters. Like we learn, we learn a lot about Preacher in such a short amount of time. We learn a lot about even Tom's character and the girlfriend of Stellan Skarsgård. Like we learn about all of these characters. And so when they do meet their end, you care. It's it's so good. Like I just, I don't know why I love this movie so much. I, I loved it back in the day when I saw it. I love it now. So anyways, continue, Mikey. I totally derailed you. I had to just, I had to say my piece. No, no, you're good. <laughs> So, 1999, the movie came out. I want to ask you, did you first watch it at home or in the theater? I watched it at home. We rented it. I watched it with my mom. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, I've mentioned a couple of times before, 98, 99 is, like, the time when I actually started, like, being super immersed in horror because I guess my mom was like, you're 11, it's time for you to see everything that terrifies children. And I saw it at the movie theater and it scared me. But as it rightfully actually, should I don't have. even I don't think I don't really so and actually I wanted to talk to you about that. What scared me originally is in the beginning when they're talking about the sharks and Thomas Jane's character walks down the little walkway on the water and you see the shadow go by. Like that type of megalophobia type thing that they were toying with really freaked me out. But actually as the movie progressed, it seemed more like an actiony Indiana Jones type film rather than like Jaws being a horror film and I think it has to do with it taking place in this sea lab that I will never be a part of. Do you think it would have been scarier if there was more stuff like the beginning when the boat gets attacked with regular people? Um, I think well see this is the thing. There are parts to it that I feel kind of are reminiscent. So this is where I disagree with you. I feel there are parts that are more reminiscent to the beginning scene. I love you, boo-boo. Don't you worry. <laughs> You're still my favorite. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you why. Because at the beginning of the movie, which the beginning of the movie, that one of the girls on the, on the, the boat 
was one of the bitches from the in crowd. And I was like, oh, that's what's her name from the in crowd, oh, the blonde one. Was. Yeah. So that was her, her time. That was her moment. That was her moment. And her moment never came again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like that front part. And I feel like that first part sort of wants to mimic Jaws. Obviously, there's a lot of things that mimic Jaws, I think, to sort of pay homage, not to sort of copy it, but to just pay more homage to it, right? Especially considering that when you think of a shark movie, it's always going to be compared with Jaws. What other movie is really going to, even with the exception of The Shallows, which I, I do like that movie a lot, and then, of course, 47 Meters Down. I feel like those are scary. Those those movies were scary. Mm-hmm. Like, And when you, especially when you put women into the situation, I don't know why people feel more empathetic towards women, I guess. But it just kind of goes neither here nor there. So... I think that some of the parts that were scary were the parts when you didn't see the shark, but you knew it was there. Like when she was going down to get the the floppy disk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you guys don't know what a floppy disk is, then um, (laughs) fuck you, because that means you're too young and I hate you. Not a floppy dick. (laughs) Not a, a floppy disk. Yes, I didn't go to get this. I got, went. To, I wish I still had a floppy disk so I could show my students. Like this is what we used to use. And this is they, what I played Oregon Trail on. <laughs> I know I miss that. Anyways, she goes down and gets that. And there's parts in that scene where it is scary because it's like it gets like quiet for a second because there's you know there's a lot of parts where there's humor involved and then when the, someone's alone then you know someone's going to get it. But, so the shark sort of embodies a slasher in that sense, right? As soon as somebody's alone, then he shows up. And again, it happens again when Preacher's alone. So there are times when I do feel like it is it gets scary like that. And then the rest of the movie is an action film, obviously. And it's an escape film. I think it's also meant to make you feel claustrophobic at times, like when they're climbing up the ladder. So those are different fears inherently that people have, not necessarily like... I'm going to be scared of a killer sort of thing, but just the idea of being underwater and knowing there's no way out, I think is, is pretty scary. And I like that they yeah. incorporated, you know, no, there's not a way for them to get out because the submarines destroyed this, that, and the third. So anyways. Yeah. So Well, it's funny because as I was watching it, the parts you mentioned, so when Dr. Susan is getting her floppy disk and she has her one-on-one with the shark and then preacher has his one-on-one of the shark in the kitchen i was like this is what swim needed to do and they didn't even show anything but these take place in settings where water usually is not and having water in that place with a shark in it could be terrifying because those parts were scary because you know everybody knows what it's like to go into a basement or room a kitchen whatever and then just think what if there was a shark in here not a tiny bull shark because as we've learned oh yeah which by the way part three deep blue sea three is about bull sharks <laughs> oh boy um, yeah so anyways so there are a lot of comparisons with jaws um i saw that the sharks died in the same the way that the sharks died mimics the first three jaws films where the first shark was i believe blown up second shark was electrocuted the third shark they said decimated, but it really was just a combination of electrocution and being blown up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was completely yeah. obliterated, you know, just like the other one. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And then the license plate they pull out of the shark's mouth in the beginning is the same license plate from Jaws. Yes. There was a couple other fun facts. This movie actually has a lot of trivia that I liked. Thomas Jane did have to actually swim with the shark 
but yes. his contract was only like one time. <laughs> I wish I would have known when scene that was because I was I was like keeping an eye out for it, and I was like, I think that's the fake shark. But what I think made this movie stand apart from other movies is that there was extensive research research going into shark movement, and they replicated that on the shark model that they had. So that really helps to make, to cut out the cheesiness aspect of it that Swim had, where it was just like a toy shark going across the screen. And yeah, and to your point as well, when you talk about creature features like this, it's so easy. And there are moments where the shark is CGI. So, you know, this is 1999 yeah. people. Of course, there's going to be some CGI. Like when he goes, pops out and takes, you know, Sam Jackson away. However, yeah. when it's not CGI, it's so good. Like, mm-hmm. and I even read like a little thing about it that they were, they had made, uh, Rennie Harlan had made a comment about it, that they had called it, they thought it was like a real monster. Oh no, uh, Sam Jackson said this. He's like, I would walk up to it slowly and touch it. And they said it felt like a real shark. The gills moved and it had a mind of its own sometimes, right? Because it is a machine. Yeah. It's not like, so, yeah. you know, it's just interesting because they, they did create a real shark as well for Jaws. And I think having a combination of those elements of CGI and Jake, Jake will say this too. If you can blend those things seamlessly to make a, a better product, that's great. Unfortunately, this was 1999. You're not going to get that because, again, it's 1999. I think if they had yeah. made it now, would we have that even the animatronic? Because if look at Meg, for example. At Meg, the entire time, it's CGI. So yeah. it's like there's no happy medium with these types of things. And I get it. There's costs and there's this, that, and the third. I understand. It's like just, just stop, you know, like – getting me all excited and like you know (laughs) hot and bothered for something and then disappointing me right like stop making it if you can't do it well at this point (laughs) i'm sorry yeah no and and you know i think this if anything this movie is what i go to when i think of a shark movie that actually pulled off like a non-cheesy shark there are some cgi times where it is kind of cheesy but it's forgivable because the animatronic was so great Exactly. And yes, it was CGI, but at the time, did you notice it? Like at during 1999? No, like because that was the first time we'd seen it. So it wouldn't have been now we're looking back on it. Yeah, we look at that and we're like, okay, that's clearly, you know, shitty. But again, it's 1999. And I keep saying that because 1999 was full of like a shit ton of movies. I think even what else came out that month? Not to derail you. Am I derailing you or do we want to go back to your other point? No, but I do need one second because I have to get my charger real quick because my computer's going to run. Okay, so we'll take a quick break. So I guess Mikey was yeah. talking shit about me when I had left the room earlier. So let's see what I say about him when never. he leaves. <laughs> Although now we get to see Mikey's background. It's super cute. We were just saying what was coming out that, what came out that year. Oh, yeah. In terms well, of... Well, I know, but I don't want to interrupt you, but I know... I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to. I will tell you, Halloween H2O did come out that uh, the year before because LL Cool J pretty much played the same character, which is funny if you think about it being a sequel to where LL Cool J's character takes a different job because he's like, fuck security, I almost got killed by Michael Myers, and goes to a sea lab and almost gets killed by a shark. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because that could he even mentions that he was married, um, that he has a kid. Yeah. So, he, you know, he has he had a wife and father. I remember he's talking to his wife the entire time on the phone, Halloween H2O, about his romance novel, right, that never seemed mm-hmm. to take off. But I completely, I think that that's a valid point, and I, I love that idea because both of those characters were so much fun. 
Like, I really enjoyed yeah. his character in H2O, and when we thought he first initially died, and in both movies, he almost, we think he just, he's dead, and he actually survives. But in the old one, like, I was really sad when, when, you know, they thought they shot him, right? So, it's like, well, that yeah. sucks. He got shot in the head, and Michael Myers didn't even kill him. Like, what kind of, like, you know, half-assed shit is that? Like, that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, thankfully, he's fine. He was fine. His character was fine. I think it was Rodney, and then in this one, his name is, is Preacher, but his real name is... Uh, Sherman <laughs> <laughs> which is also weird because he kind of has the same fate where like you think he's dead but he's like nope I'm actually not dead like surprise so yeah. you know he plays he plays a fun character I think back then when they tried to be more inclusive they would throw and I hate to say this but and you saw this a lot and Al Cool J was part of it Buster Rhymes again in another Halloween movie around the same time Yeah, you know they're putting a black person in there for comedic relief so to say, so to speak, right? And, and and to me, I just think that's that's lazy. Like, let's you know, let's have some characters like LL Cool J's character. I think, but with this movie, what they do a little different is that LL Cool J's character sort of kind of is like the dichotomy with Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson's character is more refined. He's the he's the money behind everything, right? Like he has to go yeah. there and and yeah, I want to say the producer, but he's not the producer. Whatever it is that he does, <laughs> he's like a, a a funder or something. And so there's an interesting scene in there for being 1999. And I know I'm going off the rails here because I, I wanted to go over the other movies that came out this year. But when they're having conversation at the bar and Samuel L. Jackson is talking to LL Cool J and he's calling him brother, right? And LL Cool J basically puts him in his place. Like, yeah, just because we're both black doesn't make you my brother kind of thing. Like, basically the way he yeah. responds to him, like, don't just single me out because I'm the only other black person here. Like, you know, <laughs> and I, I just think that that was a good way of sort of kind of being inclusive. And this movie is kind of, it's, it's, it's a lot more inclusive because you have Ada Totoro, who plays Brenda, who gets blown up at the tower. You know, she's a heavier set woman, but she's dancing around. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really nobody... Bes- you know, aside from L. Cool J, Thomas Jane, and Saffron. Saffron, I love that. I'm going to name my kid Saffron if I ever have one, which I probably <laughs> will. I know, I like it, though. And I love Saffron. I have a jar of it in the cabinet. Anyways, but, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, yes, they're attractive, but everybody else in the movie is just average. Like, nobody's special, right? So it's just, I think it's the more... The girl was pretty, the one that fell in the tower with the, the blonde, blonde one hair. she was mousy did you know she was supposed to be pregnant oh well i guess it's good that she wasn't pregnant because <laughs> she got eight <laughs> well so that's why the director took it off because there was supposed to be an implied relationship between her and uh Skarsgård. yeah and uh she was supposed to be pregnant with his baby but the director was like never mind it's kind of too dark to have a pregnant woman get eaten is it though? Well, they were together. She was like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. I mean, they were together. They were making out. But when they go into her room later, and I never noticed this before, but when they go into her room later, remember they're looking for a vibrator, batteries for some, for a flashlight. And they're like, well, she's yeah. got to have a vibrator in here somewhere. You can clearly tell she's not sharing the room with Skarsgård. So I think yeah. that they were just fucking while they were there. I don't think it was like a relationship no. relationship. That's just what I take Been it as. there. <laughs> well, hey, you guys are both locked underwater. I mean, you're going to have to find some. Everyone's going to have to pair off, right? You can't just be <laughs> stuck in this place with all of these people and then just Thomas not. Thomas Jane and LL Cool J and then everybody else. <laughs> <I> um. <know. laughs> just pass it around, whatever. <laughs> but also character changes, which 
you know, it's everyone's always surprised that what seems to be the final girl is not the final girl. I don't think it's that surprising because throughout the movie, they don't really paint her in the best light. And not that she's a bad person. She's not like, you know, she doesn't do anything bad. I mean, the whole shark thing, but that's not really her fault. But she is very deadpan the whole time. There's no emotional build for her until the very end when she decides to sacrifice herself to help out. But I'm sure you read this in the trivia, but originally she was going to be the final girl and she was saving everybody. But Tess audience were like, nah, I don't no. like that bitch. <laughs> no, they didn't like her. They they viewed her as the villain. Yes, I read that. And I, which again, to your point from earlier, it's because she's a woman, right? Yeah, like I wouldn't say she's the villain. She's just, they didn't give her any emotional arc to build off of. No, she was very callous. I mean, there was reason she did what she did. Do I think she was the best actress for this role? If they had found a more, I guess, if they had found an actor. But, you know, again, just because she's a woman, she doesn't have to have, she doesn't have to be emotional. She doesn't have to have these things that we expect women to be, right? So at the end of the day, while I hated her when I was younger, I didn't like her. I liked her a lot now as an adult. And I think it's because, you know, she was set out to do something. She wanted to do it. Do, do I agree with the fact that she should, you know, when she put the shark back in the water, that was to their detriment. Like, she never should have put the shark back in the water. Thomas Jane was going after they took off. So what, what ends up happening, everybody, they end up getting the experiment. They get the serum out of the, the skull of the shark. And Stellan Skarsgård is smoking a cigarette and he goes and taps the shark and the shark is supposed to be under at this point like it's not awake and when he goes and does that the shark wakes up and like takes his arm off so everything happens so fast so at this point Thomas Jane goes and gets a harpoon or whatever to kill it and Saffron Burrow's character Dr. Susan McAllister oh my god she pushes the button and and the shark lowers back into the water and he's released again. And so the issue, you think this wouldn't be a big issue, except for the fact that because they created these sharks and they, they genetically modified their brains, now the sharks, they, they have free will. They're thinking, right? They understand what's going on. And because of that, the sharks are attacking the, I keep wanting to call it a station, space station, the, the, <laughs> the underwater lab. The, the sharks are attacking the, the lab. The Sea Lab 2020. Exactly. And it's because they are, you know, the, the sharks are completely coherent. And, and, and we know this, we know this for certain when they are taking their air raid, airlifting Stellan Skarsgård out of the water. And somehow the, I forget how, but the, the helicopter crashes into the water, crashes into the tower. It kills Brenda. She blows up and flies away. <laughs> Like, what a way to kill this poor lady. (laughs) So she's the only person who can radio that, you know, for help, right? And so the Stellan Skarsgård's under the water, and the shark is taking it, him, and throws him up against the glass, simultaneously breaking the glass. But I think it's also showing the people, like, hey, I know you're here, and this is what I'm going to do to you kind of thing. And so it was just very, like, a very visceral movement. Like, it was so sad and, you know the little mouse girl and her lover they're looking at each other through the glass and sam jackson's like we gotta get out of here like (laughs) (laughs) so it's like this whole thing and so i just i think it's like it's really smart i mean it could be hokey a lot of you probably think that's hokey but you know what if they could like sharks are, are supposed to be like these these you know killing machines like that's all they know what if they could think like you or you or i can think right and then 
where would we be? Like, would they be in charge? Would they be, like, at the top of the food chain? Well, I don't know. They say that orcas have very similar brains to us. And orcas are top predator in the ocean, even though there's things bigger than them. Even though great white shark, I think, can probably be the same size. So if anything, great white sharks with a smarter brain or human brain would probably be in the same boat as orcas with communication and, you know, learning. Because you know how, like, killer whales, they beach to fight to get the seals? Yeah. Like, that's a learned trait that they actually go practice. That only certain females of the pod will do because it's really dangerous i was like you go girl Um, but anyways (laughs) well of course they send the woman to go grocery shopping right i see how it is well (laughs) actually the women are the 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 women are the hunter gatherers in the orca pods i don't know what the men are doing they're just like "Mm, i'll watch this baby jerking off (laughs) orcas are woke y'all um (laughs) but anyways so yeah they Explosions happen. Sea Lab 2020 gets flooded. They climb up a ladder thing. The girl who was pregnant but is not gets eaten. Everybody gets eaten. Thomas Jane kills zero sharks. LL Cool J kills two. Saffron Burroughs kills one. Um, she, they, they ultimately, and I don't know, because remember in the beginning there was that silhouette I was talking about that the shark swims by and you're like, oh shit, that's a big shark. Yeah. Um, there's three sharks in total, right? Yes. So did that big shark stay outside and the two were the little ones inside? Because I felt like that big one, like, couldn't fit in those hallways. (laughs) Yeah, no, the big one, remember they even mentioned it. And this is like, I've never paid attention to this movie so closely before, because like, these are all things that I literally, (laughs) I watched it the other day and I'm like, oh, I didn't remember this. Um, but he was hurting what he was doing was trying to get the facility flooded so that the water would raise and he could get over that fence like that was that shark's main mission so the other two inside i assume were the smaller ones they they clearly were the smaller ones because if they were the same size yeah because if they were the same size as the bigger ones especially ll cool j would have been done because they would have got him you know he would have been done and so that makes sense I don't think the big one was in there. I think he was just yeah. outside the whole time hanging out and just waiting. Oh, they're all female, I think. So she was outside. I think so, yeah. I mean, They mentioned something about being female. So they yes, always are. The Charlie's Angels of Sharks. <laughs> <laughs> Females being irrational, blowing shit up just to get over a fence. I know. <laughs> but ultimately, they stop her from breaching the fence by electrocuting her and something else happens. Well, they, yeah, they, make... they blew her up with the battery. Like, he had to harpoon the shark. Oh, yeah, sorry, and they harpoon his leg to the shark. Yeah, Thomas Jane's leg. I was like, just kill him. Just kill him, it's fine. But yeah, then credits roll. And then we have Deep Blue Sea 2. Deep Blue Sea 2 was not good, in my opinion. And I remember which one this is, because there's a really hot guy who's in it, who was in... One of my favorite shows called The Client List, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I think his name is Robert Mears. Let me double check. Because if you've seen John Dies at the End. Oh, I love that movie. Um, he's, he's John. Oh, okay. All right, I didn't know who you're talking about. Rob Mays. So he's super hot, and I really like him. And I was actually looking at his IMDb to figure out which one he was in, because I thought it was the third one. 
No, no, it's the second one, and he's in a like um, he's in one of those wetsuits the whole time, and oh, so good. Oh, I love that. Um, <laughs> just that, not the movie. But when I was looking at it, he's in this like fairly new indie horror film called The Stay, and I started watching it yesterday, and um, pretty good. Maybe a letterbox review to come soon. I don't think it's gonna be that good. So. I started watching this day because Rob Mays is in it and he's super salty, but I have a feeling he's not going to last throughout the whole movie, and when he dies, I might stop watching. It depends how it goes. It's one of those movies where, like, the writer, director, and main star are all the same person, so... Not that that's bad, but if you're going to do that, just make sure you're making a good movie. <laughs> so, that was Deep Blue Sea 2. Deep Blue Sea 3... Even though it doesn't have Rob Mays, I actually remember really liking. I don't remember what it's about, but it's kind of like a similar theme to this, the first one. But instead of like a super industrial sea lab, it's like a weird man-made island of like buildings on the ocean. You know how like sometimes like on Travel Channel, they'll go to like these little islands that are made by the people that live there. And it's kind of like just like wood but then there's like little shacks made on top of the wood so they have like their own little floating city it's like that but the, the third one's actually really good i recommend the third one the second one you could probably not watch unless you like rob mason go ahead that was my thing i was trying to find part two because i saw that it was streaming somewhere and i couldn't remember where so last night i was like all right i need to go and watch deep blue sea too couldn't find it and i was like i'm not gonna pay for this <laughs> But I remember you saying like part three, so I will watch part three. So I'm going to watch part three. And I saw that the one chick from, I always remember her from Malcolm in the Middle. And then I also remember her from, what is it? She she used to date Dr. Ian Malcolm. Jeff Goldblum. Okay. (laughs) She used to date him. She dated him when he was old. And I forget her name. So I saw, I just saw her face on something. I saw her on something or whatever. And so I was just like, okay. But I hate her, so I kind of don't want to see it. She's in part three. She was in the, yeah, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the the one with Alexandra Daddario. That one that I, I didn't like that one either. Yeah, she was in that. She was the girlfriend that was fucking uh, Ray J. Was it Ray J in that movie? Um, Who was in that Trey movie? Songs. I can't remember. Wow, Abe. It was Trey Songs. <laughs> oh, my God. Two for two this episode. <laughs> Okay, no, but to be fair, I was thinking, like, he was doing it a lot, so I was thinking of Ray J because he has a sex tape, so that was where I was going with that. Anyways. I mean, I think they're both rappers, so whatever. Um, Mm. But yeah. They're both forgettable. No, how dare you? I love Trey songs, especially (laughs) in Texas Chainsaw. I am one that actually loves Texas Chainsaw. People don't like it, but I really like it. You know, I'll have to revisit it because I was disappointed. I think I was more disappointed with the fact that I hated Alexandria Dazario in it too. Like, she was so annoying. Like, shut the hell up, lady. She's fine, especially when she's like, oh, help me. And her shirt just, like, opens up, but she has Hollywood tape on, so it doesn't go over her nipples. But her boobs are just like... She has fake boobs, so they didn't move. And that's probably another reason her shirt didn't go down. But I hated the part. Are you sure they're fake? Yes, they're fake. And I just hate... Because we saw them in True Detective, and they... They were less than perfect, which makes you think. Oh, we'll real. have to Google that, I guess. But no, what I was 
Don't be a salty bitch. I'm not being a salty bitch, but when she put the little knife in the back of the, the police car, and she's like, I'm a Sawyer. I'm like, oh, bitch, I'm done. I'm done with you. He should have killed you in the in the garage. <laughs> but, <sighs> just, okay, we're going to take that out again. I'm just being mean <laughs> no. these days. Anyways. But yeah, so okay. um, that basically wraps up the tutorial. Not a tutorial. The summary of one and a slight mention of two and three. You know, we had so much meat to go off of with number one. And it's funny because on the challenge episode, Jake said something like, what was it? It is too long in the tooth. And every time I fucking saw these sharks, because for some reason they give them super long teeth, Jake's quote was in the back of my mind saying long in the tooth and I was like god damn it Aww. I can't stop thinking about that every time the stupid shark would come by and his teeth are like uh, so you thought of Jake I'm sure he'd be really happy to hear that <laughs> but yeah so other than that of course great movie shark classic maybe it's even the third best shark movie I've ever seen we have to finalize the roster for which shark would win them all so I will go first and then you can go because as a refresher, we have Santa Jaws, Swamp Shark, Space Invader Shark, whatever that was called, Swim Shark, which, girl, we already know. <laughs> <laughs> and do we have another? The Meg. That's it. Five sharks? And the Meg. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and of course, these sharks. I'm going to have to say Deeper Blue or Seer Sharks will win because there's three of them and they're smart. I agree. I agree because they have the mental capacity to outsmart the Meg. Mm-hmm. Because the Meg, at the end of the day, was defeated by Jason Statham, although a very fine Jason Statham. Because Jason Statham has the weakness where that he can't breathe underwater. He can't be in the water too yeah. long, right? The, the other sharks could definitely outsmart the Meg. So I, I agree. Eventually, the Meg was succumbed by multiple sharks. But exactly. the only thing that I think would be a close call, because I was always team Santa Jaws because it's supernatural. But That's true. You could create it to kill it. Yeah. And then essentially it could, right? But because so, there's three hmm. of them, that's why I say they could probably figure out some shit. If they can throw a gurney into a glass and break it, they could probably figure out how to kill Santa Jaws. Well, yeah, exactly. They're like the three velociraptors in Jurassic yes. Park, right? You know, the best things come in threes, <laughs> and they're very smart. Yeah. So we have our champions, everybody. Deeper Bluer Seer Sharks. I believe their names were Sally, Tara, and Erica. So congratulations, ladies. You've won <laughs> this round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, definitely. All right, well, we are coming up at the end of the hour. So, at, so this, at point- this point, Aid, if they wanted to find us or maybe slip me a little fiver under the table, where would they go about doing so? Oh, if you want to pay Mikey to, you know, show you his nipples, you can go on to patreon.com slash slasherspod. We have tiers from $1 to $10, and $10 may get you a nip slip. Can't say it's for me, but... You never know. Jake's who. are nicer than mine, by the way. <laughs> he showed us last time. Oh uh, well, Jake has shown him. He did. He likes to show his nipples on the camera for some reason. I don't know what that it's all about, but you know, everybody has mm-hmm. their vices. So, Mikey, where can we get any cool slashers swag? Oh my God! If you want to buy a T-shirt or something, go to redbuble.com/slasherspod and totes buy some merch from us we don't really get anything from it except for your happiness wearing a really dope as fuck t-shirt oh and that reminds me too if you do get a slasher's pod t-shirt please post a story and tag us in it we'd love to reshare it and show how amazing our listeners are because we have so many of them that 
love to message and, and give us good comments and stuff. But, you know, we'd love to see you in some of our swag. We'd also love to see some reviews on iTunes as well. So please go ahead. If you have, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a review there because for some reason that matters. And it's called Algorithm Aid. Well, yeah. And then, of course, we do have the YouTube page. So if you want to see our beautiful faces or you want to see Mike or Jakey's nipples, um, you might get a nip slip for free if you watch our YouTube videos. So please go on to our YouTube, youtube.com slash slash respond, I believe. So, like uh, yeah. And then, Mikey, do you have any special plugs you want to plug us with this month? I don't think I have any special plugs. We do have some exciting shows coming up for you guys. We have a super XXX rated show that Jake and Aid refuse to be on. So look out for that. And we are going to be having a special Call Your Ghoul Friends episode with one of my favorite movies. And we're going to have a special guest over at that sleepover. Oh, who's our special guest, Mikey? Don't put this in the episode, but it's Micah. Oh, okay. Well, we can say that because we can just plug their show too and be nice. We might be talking about them too much. So let's just wait until it gets closer. Oh. (laughs) So you want to take us home, Mikey? Yes. On behalf of Slashers, this is Call Your Ghoul Friends with Mikey and Aid, and we hope you have a fabulous beginning of summer. Stay dry, stay alive, and stay out of the water. Goodbye and good die. Booby shake. Oh, let me stop. I know. We did, we did a boob shake, so yeah.